it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb, Michael Pina, Rich Levine. Four games into the season, the Boston Celtics could easily be 0-4. They could just as easily be 3-1. But 2-2 feels about right. We'll get into all the highs and lows of the first week of real basketball. Uh, B-Rob and Mike, uh, pleasure to have us all together again. Uh, 17 point comeback last night in Indiana. We're doing this on Wednesday morning on Wednesday, uh, big bounce back for the Celtics after losing that first game against the Pacers, a game that they should have won. Uh, B Rob, let's get, let's get a little reaction from you first. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, Rich. I mean, that was, I want to say, uh, a desperate situation for the Celtics out of the gate when you're four games into the year, but Jason Tatum played 40 minutes in that game last night. Like Brad Stevens won that game. Uh, beginning of a five-game and seven-night stretch. And so letting another one slip away after the first one and then he slipped away on Sunday night was clearly our priority. So if you're looking at just this first week as a whole and, you know, Brad's team is trying to figure things out with this roster, I think you just you have to start with, with Peyton Pritchard here. I know it's <laughs> the, the, the demand of the hour. I mean, there was a lot of things that went well uh, for the Celtics in that comeback. But I think when you are looking at this roster right now, there's very few sure things right now. But quickly, Mike, Peyton Pritchard has turned into maybe the most reliable player on the bench for the time being. Is that is that a fair assessment? I, I mean, we were talking about this in the preseason. Uh, you know, uh, one of the questions you had, Rich, was is – uh, I think it was right. like, is Peyton Pritchard or Jeff T going to play more minutes or something like that? Something comparing those two players. And I was very bullish about Pritchard for no reason other than I don't like Jeff Teague. Um, <laughs> and Pritchard, I, I mean, he, he plays with such poise on both ends, knows where he's supposed to be. He always keeps his dribble alive. He looks like a little Steve Nash when he kind of dribbles underneath the basket, dribbles out. He's super patient, super uh, perceptive about where everybody is. Um, he can shoot, which is really valuable, and he isn't afraid to let it fly. Uh, and, like, honestly, he's – and he showed this in last night's game when he was kind of spearheading the comeback – He's like super fast off the bounce. Like he was like a, a blur from half court to the rim on one play where he crossed up. I forget who it might've been Justin holiday who just completely was shocked to see this dude go that fast um, and finish with a layup. But he also like can finish at the basket uh, through contact a couple of times, drew a couple of fouls. 
he looks really good. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that he was in the, in the, in the closing lineup. <laughs> a little bit of both, I think, Rich. Yeah, and you, you said a little Steve Nash. I see a little Gordon Hayward, too, in the way that he can help the Celtics. You know, just, just the way that he can get into space, the way that he can set guys up. And one of the, one of the coolest parts of last night's uh, performance, and you talked about his shooting, Mike, which is, which is legit, but he, he was 0 for 2 from three-point land. So that, that was a game where the three-point shot, I guess it wasn't working. He only took two. The three-point shot wasn't one of his weapons last night. He still went 10, 5, and 5. And like you said, keyed a 17-point comeback. Uh, so I, for, for a rookie playing, hasn't even played five games in the NBA, we're going to try to stay, uh, stay, keep ourselves on the ground when talking about him. But, you know, the, 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 the book on him was that he was ready to play in the NBA after a four-year four college career. And you, you can't – he has not disproven that. Like, he is ready. And, and, and things maybe will change a little bit when, when Kemba is back. But for right now, he's a guy that, that Brad Stevens can count on. And uh, like I think you said, B-Rob, there are very few guys off the bench that, that we can say that about. And for a rookie to just play his way in the rotation like this under Brad Stevens, it's like, what are the players who have done that in the past? Smart, Brown, Tatum. And even Brown, I feel like, was kind of in and out of the rotation at times early on in his rookie year. So given the number of draft picks that the Southerners have taken in the last five or six years and, you know, a lot, clearly the book is out in a, a large number of them due to lack of opportunity, but uh, for someone just to come right in and be ready to go at a, at a time, the team desperately needs something that anything kind of certainty um, that they can find given the, the one dimensionalness of so many guys in this roster right now, Mike, it's like, it's at least that's one thing through the first week of the season that, okay, we nailed one of these picks, like check that off the list. You know, it's really interesting. He is 20, 20 years no, 20 days older than Jason Tatum. Yeah, I know. Which it's, is, it's, it's insane. It's a, it's a wild stat. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, we're kind of, I think we're going to talk about some negative stuff in a little bit. And part of that is the starting lineup and the two bigs, in the front court, which has really hurt on both ends. I mean, do you guys think that at some point Pritchard can kind of squirrel his way into that starting five, assuming that Check. Kemba is not going to be out there for too long? Check out BostonSportsJournal.com this morning, Wednesday morning. I dropped the bomb already. I dropped the Peyton should be starting bomb already. I mean, that's it, it makes sense. From I mean, Rich, you brought up like the kind of what what Hayward did for that group as just uh you need someone who can shoot, someone who can kind of probe the defense with his playmaking. He takes a lot of pressure, I think, off of Tatum and Brown from a creation standpoint, gets the ball moving. And defensively, yeah, it's not gonna be pretty, but I think the offensive upside could outweigh the defensive deficiencies, especially with that group when you can kind of hide him a little bit. Sure. At the very least, he competes on defense. Right. You know, he's, I, I don't know. Is he a negative? I mean, I wouldn't say he's a plus, but is he a negative? I think it depends on who you're, you're playing. Um, sure. I think you can make, you know, there's, I think the instincts are there and that's going to help against certain teams. I mean, and I don't know if, if Brad Stevens is already willing to throw him against Miles Turner in the post, then like, <laughs> to me, it's like, Pritchard might be starting Wednesday night against the Grizzlies when you're not facing double bigs, and it, it makes sense to go smaller anyway. Miles Turner looked pretty good, by the way, these last two games. Eh. No? 
Yeah. I, I mean, no, he, he did. I like, he's putting the ball on the ground a little bit more cause he has to, cause he's on the perimeter basically always. And <laughs> he is maybe the, I don't know, like he might be the best shot blocker in the whole league right now. I mean, I know he's like leading just statistically by an absurd amount total wise, but it's early. Um, but no, he looks, he, he, I don't know. Like I don't regret not trading for him at all, but he does look pretty good. I mean, he's like clearly not as good as Sabonis who the Celtics were like triple teaming on every possession uh, in the second game after what he did in the first one. But by the way, Sabonis is like turned into Jokic. <laughs> like he's a legit threat to get a triple double every night. He's bombing three pointers at it. And I don't know what his rate is uh, right now, but I know it's, 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 it's leaps and bounds above where it had been the last few years. I mean, he is that's, – that's an all-NBA player I think we're looking at. Maybe not – certainly not first team, but he's in the conversation. You, you know what he is? He is the, like, Eastern Conference Nikola Jokic in that he's, yes. like, a slightly yeah. shittier version. That's, like, exactly what he is. Beautiful. It's 100%. It. Um, it's, I mean, that, that's probably, like, one of the best value contracts in the NBA right now since they got him locked up, I think, at a – what, probably around $20 million mm-hmm. a year. Um, last year but i mean tristan they, they did the Celtics did a much better job on him last night and um do we do we want to go into the i think we should to, to kind of pigeonhole off this or double off this starting lamp discussion you brought up mike um how much longer are the double bigs going to last here since in my mind like it's it's a good idea on paper tice thompson defensively it has not worked yet i think the C's defense with those two on the floor has been, you know, I think they're going to have 120 points per 100 possessions and in 45 minutes together at the starting five, which, um, and, and so if it's not going to work against a team like the Pacers that have like two double bigs, then I don't think it's going to work against, you know, when you're playing small ball um, power forward. So how much longer would you guys kind of roll with this group or do you kind of pull the plug preemptively and start experimenting with Pritchard or whoever else? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. We don't want to talk about too much. The, the Grizzlies game is tonight, so some people might be listening to this yeah, after the fact. but just like big picture. I, I, don't, I don't love it. Right? And again, it, Brad's in a, in a tough spot right now. But like, listen, if you're talking about a fifth starter, Javante didn't look horrible when he, when he was out there during, during the preseason. I know he's still Javante Green. You, you might mess around. I think with what we've seen, I think it's time to experiment with something else. Yeah, I mean, you look yeah, – yeah. you like Javante for that? Uh, maybe. I mean, he's good when he hits his threes and he hit, I think one that I saw last night off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, statistically, you know, it's very early. They played the nets. The nets are incredible offense. They played the bucks an incredible offense that just set the record for three pointers in a game. Um, the Pacers are a good team. I think they're, you know, especially when Victor Oladipo looks like a max player, which he did in the third quarter last night. Um, uh, Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, like statistically so far in the small sample size, when Tristan Thompson is alone at center or when Tice is alone at center, the defense is like top five in the NBA. It's like, it's a very good defense. The offense is still sucking, but you know, that'll come around. I think, but, uh, like when the two bigs are there, like it just, I, I honestly wonder if it's more like a, like, Brad doesn't want to upset Tice type of thing. Not upset. I don't know. Like, well, he he's was trying to get the minutes for all the bigs. 
Like you don't have enough. Yeah, exactly. Grant and Rob, if you if you don't start Tyson Thompson too, one hundred percent. And so he never cares much about getting Rob, keeping Rob happy. <laughs> exactly. Well, you want to keep Rob Williams engaged. That's that's for sure. Um, so he knows where he is at all times. But uh, but yeah, like it's it's a really it just doesn't look right in the modern NBA. Like you know, I know they have two games coming up against the Pistons. That's a team that really is huge in the front court and really can punish you on the glass. They can't really do anything else, but they can do that. So maybe you stay big there knowing that you'll still probably get two W's, one would think. But like against a team like the Raptors, um, who they play on January 4th, it's like you're not going to – you can't be big with those two guys. It makes absolutely no sense. So I think that you have to downsize in that situation. I don't know if it's Pritchard. I don't know if it's Javante. I don't know if it's Grant Williams who like, I mean, the Grant Williams thing and the rotation, I just don't understand still. Um, I understand what you just said, B-Rob, about, you know, you, you trying to get minutes for everybody, but like that dude deserves minutes, I think. So I don't know who it is, but they should, you know, one of those guys needs to be the backup five. And in my opinion, it should be Tice. Yeah, and I think a lot of these problems still stem from the fact that this is kind of an undermanned team right now. And I was thinking about, like, watching the Pacers the last two nights. It's like, if, if you were, and we talk about this every time, a lot of times during playoff series, but if you were going to do, like, a player draft from the rosters, from the Pacers and the Celtics rosters, like, you know, uh, whether Sabonis goes ahead of Jalen, probably, I don't know. You probably go, the top three would be Jalen, Sabonis, and uh, Tatum. Then after that, it's a lot of Pacers. Yeah, it'd be a steady stream. Like, like these teams, the other teams that they're playing just seem deeper, just better. Like, like the top tier talent, the Celtics have those two. But then after after that, like it's a lot of the other t- the other teams' players that 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 would be selected ahead of the Celtics right now. I mean, the Pacers literally just ran it back with their team. Like, uh-huh. they, there's not even a new body in that rotation right now, which you know obviously they benefited from early in the year with the the continuity factor. But you're right, Rich. I mean, this is when you you lose Gordon Hayward and you replace him with a rookie that is not able to play yet. And Neesmith, as far as a wing perspective goes, then yeah, that's. And that's Kemba. Huge. And Kemba, exactly. And then you replace Kemba with Jeff Teague, who felt for, has forgotten how to shoot after opening night. Um, so that's, I mean, maybe we should talk about him a little bit, um, but yeah, it's a situation where Brad Stevens is, is scrambling. He has to, you know, they have this trade exception. They're going to use it, but they're not going to use it until February at the earliest probably. So at this point it's like, okay, see what we have, but also uh, gets wins in a pretty competitive Eastern conference. Um, And so balancing those two things uh, is a work in progress, obviously, but it's something where from uh, maximizing what this team has right now, Mike, I feel like you said like Tice and Thompson, I think when Tice plays power forward, it neuters the best out of what he is as a player especially if he's not hitting threes, which he, none of them have looked close earlier. Really so if like, you know, you figure out I maybe. I don't like him shooting threes. Right. And so that's just a bad version. It's a bad version for the spacing. It's bad for Tatum and Brown in the starting five in terms of they're not, they're seeing extra bodies and they're not getting to the rim without seeing a crowd. So at least give those guys a better chance and be, you know, lean into the offense if, if the defense isn't there with the bigs. Yeah, when he, when he shoots yeah. threes as a five, it feels like a like a like a bonus, right? But when Tice is shooting threes at the four, it feels like a necessity, and <laughs> that's not a that's not a good situation. So go ahead. That's Mike. a really good. 
No, that's a really good way to put it. Um, you know, I think this team, I don't know if it's going to be with the trade exception. I don't know if it's going to be with Kemba coming back and, and being healthy. I don't know. It probably won't be Romeo Langford, but like on, on those, on those uh, situations where there's, you know, Tatum on the floor without Jalen, it's like the defenses are just loading up to stop Tatum. And I mean, this is what it is when you're an all NBA player, um, you get double teamed, you get, you know, the backline defender is on the strong side every single time. There's no driving lanes. When he does drive, I feel like he shies away from contact sometimes, which is really why his free throw numbers aren't great. Um, he settles a little bit um, with his shot selection, and he has the utmost ability to hit basically any shot he wants. But some shots he takes are still really frustrating. So, like, I feel like if there's one more player that you can put in a lineup like that, say a player like Gordon Hayward, um, <laughs> not to say they're, they're script, not to say they're screwed without him, but a player like that who can take a little bit of pressure, let Tatum work off the ball a little bit more, um, can score a little bit, um, can, can kind of steady the offense. They need that type of player badly. I don't know how they're going to get him. Maybe again, maybe it's Kemba, maybe it's the trade exception. Um, but those lineups are just getting like obliterated and in the past they were really successful. Is there anything either of you guys can point to, to, to why Tatum's assist numbers are back down a little bit? Like, like 3.3 is about missing shots is about the fact that he's just not surrounded by as much talent on those, those times when he's out there without Jalen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. It's, and I think defenses are able to key in on him more taking away passing lanes that may have been there before since now like not only are you seeing two bodies there but the, the 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 help is rotating over to take away that first passing lane and so i don't know it's like when you're out there with i don't want to bring this up like but from from a spacing standpoint when you're out there with like shemi ojale javante green and like grant williams like yeah like that it's it's hard enough when you're the feature man itself but when the the floor probably feels like it's like shrunk in half when, when lineups like that are out there. So we'll see if it's like they're going to go off the energy crew now, Mike, where you go, you just go, Hey, let's go Rob Williams, Javante green, Pritchard for ball handling with Tatum. And like, just let those guys like try to like create some havoc um, and create some maybe transition spots. But other than that, like the, 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 the passing lanes are just going to get smaller and smaller for him. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to watch. I mean, we should, like, highlight the fact that even though Tatum hasn't been super efficient, just, like, he's on the top of, like, the leaderboard for basically everything, you know, baskets, two-point baskets, three-point baskets. Um, he's second in shots missed, which is, you know, that's Kobe. not the greatest stat, but <laughs> it means that he's taking a ton of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I think a lot of that will come around for him. And, you know, playing again, like they've played three playoff teams, three really good teams, three defenses that are, I think, like, especially the, the Pacers defense is just like it can be locked in and super versatile. The Bucks, we know what the Bucks are. Um, and the Nets statistically have been really great so far on defense. So, like, I think things will even out a little bit more. I do want to see Tatum. I have been surprised a little bit by Tatum just like the free throw numbers, I think more than the, the assist. I'm not really too worried about the assist numbers being low um, because I think like he understands that he has to score in those lineups uh, a, a lot of the time. Um, 
So, and like also Jalen has kind of upped his playmaking responsibilities in a really uh, uh, hopeful way, which is really good to see. Um, so yeah, I, I'm more about the free throws right now with him. Cause like he should be like leading the league in scoring right now, honestly, like he should be way up there if he got to the line a little bit more than he has, but like on plays where, you know, uh, 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 when he drives to the basket and there's a shot, like he's one of the least efficient players in the entire NBA right now. I think Jeff Teague is the least efficient player in the NBA on drives that end with a shot. Um, but Tatum like should not be down there. It makes absolutely no sense. And so that's the kind of, that's like the part of his game that I want to see get a little bit better. P-Rub, does it seem to you that he's trying to avoid contact when he goes to the hoop? At times. And I don't know, maybe it's just, I mean, when you're facing Miles Turner, that makes some sense given how his shot blocking has been so far this year. Um, But yeah, like I think that, you know, going to the rim over and over and over, like over a 72 game grind, is hard when the Celtics are asking Tatum to do as much as they are on both ends right now. Um, I think he's what, like leading a team, like in rebounding um, by far and, you know, taking risk guarding tough wings because they're the Celtics have, you know, are playing big. So he has to chase around faster guys. And so, yeah, like, I think that might've been like Tuesday night against Spacers. We saw, okay. Like he just started putting his head down in the second half and great, great things happen. But there is a question of like, is that pretty tough to pull off um, night in and night out when you're, when things are tough for you in other parts of the game too. Cool. All right, Pina, there are two, two guys I want to talk about before we move on. I'm going to present them both to you and you can take your, your choice. First uh, we got Marcus smart, 42% from three shooting fewer than five a game. That's nice to see. Uh, Rob Williams, uh, again, you know, not consistent had, did, did not play. Which game was it that he, that, that he didn't play? Was it a, uh... Christmas against the Nets is sick. Okay. But again, you know, last night we talked about Pritchard, but the comeback I thought was triggered by Williams finally getting out there in the second half. Uh, Marcus Smart or or Time Lord? Pina, take one and run with it. Um, Time Lord. Let's talk about Time Lord. Um, You know, you just kind of like see when he's out there, why he's out there. Like, his ability to cover, especially on the defensive end, his ability to cover space, um, his just pure athleticism. There was one play where he he looked like the fastest big man in NBA history on <laughs> a rim run last night where um, I've, maybe it was Jalen or Marcus just hit him in stride for an easy dunk. And then the next play, he like bulldozed Victor Oladipo for an offensive foul trying to do the same thing. Um, but like he's super fast, super – like he feels like he can block every shot right now, which is like one of his biggest weaknesses. He leaves his feet to contest long twos and just gives up the paint. So like a lot of it is mental with him. Um, a lot of it is, you know, he gave up the the bucket to Sabonis in that first game of the doubleheader against right. the Pacers, the go ahead bucket. Um, and so it's just like, it's mental mistakes when he, when he, when like his legs know where they're supposed to be, he is like an all defensive center when he's just like jittery, which is probably 50% of the time he's useless. So if he can clean that up, like the sky is the limit for him physically, but like, I don't know if he's ever going to clean it up. 
Yeah, B-Rob, I know uh, Brad Stevens didn't really want to comment on that that last play with Sabonis in the in the first game against Indy, but was that 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 was Time Lord? Time Lord mess I up. Mean, based on how he reacted after the play, yes. I mean, it was. I don't think it was a situation where like Grant Williams being in the game in that spot chasing around a smaller player, like he got cla- caught flat footed too. So yeah, like I think Rob was not in a good position. Like letting Sabonis get to his left is the number one thing you don't want to do in that spot, and make Rob Williams is out of position for that, and you know blew by him and Grant Williams. So I think there was clearly a communication issue between him and Grant on that play. And uh, if if history is an indicator, I would imagine that Rob Williams was the guy at fault. <laughs> so, but that's again the fact that I don't know, like that play. Looking, I mean, it's good that he like you 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 put Rob Williams in that spot in crunch time and things like that. But at the same time, in spots like that, like you paid Tristan Thompson ten million dollars to be here, you know, this year even if it's a Rob Williams game, like in that kind of a spot, like put Thompson on the floor for like, so to avoid gaffes like that, essentially. I was going to say, it says something about the state of this team that in, in a must stop situation, it's a miscommunication between Grant Williams and Rob Williams. Right. That's causing the trouble. Like that's the state of the Celtics right now. hundred percent. And so it, it is, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be fascinating. Mike, like when you or both of you guys, like with, if Rob Williams can, you know, you don't want to take away his minutes right now, but like you said, like, are you going to, is it reasonable to do a Tice Thompson Rob Williams rotation? Or is that going to be a situation where, you know, Tice is going to maybe be dealt if, but even if you do that, that would scare me because Rob Williams is so prone to getting hurt that I, can you even afford to move Tice and like, and have the trust to, in, in time lord to, to be the guy that you that they the Celtics obviously think he can be I mean like there should be a lineup with Grant Williams at the five so that too like yeah I think it is definitely too crowded um I just really like I really value what Tristan Thompson brings to the table like the Celtics have not had a player like this I, I like don't even who, like when was the last time the Celtics had a player like this? Honestly, like I can't like Perk, young early career, like, like Perk in his prime. Perk, yeah. Like 2008. Like, super solid post defender, good pick and roll defender can go up to touch, can drop, can protect the rim a little bit. And then obviously on the offensive end, like his screens are cement. <laughs> and he's like one of the best offensive rebounders of his generation. And he still has all those abilities. Like he hasn't lost a step at all from those times when they were going to the finals with the Cavs. Uh, like that's evident um, uh, when he's attacking the offensive glass, like no one can box him out. So I just have a lot of like respect and appreciation for what he brings to the table. And I want him to be on the floor a lot. So like, you know, I, I also really like, um, you know what Tice does and I don't want to like insult him too much, but like, yeah, as the odd man out on a team that's young and developing and um, you know, you really see the ceiling there and the upside for Rob Williams and you want him to get out there too. And you want minutes for him and you want Grant Williams at the five a little bit, maybe like, I just don't know Tice. Like, I I don't know, especially if they're calling like the seal fouls, like that was a huge (laughs) part of what he brought to the table. Like, I, I, I don't know. 
his trade value plummeted like 20% after those calls. On. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you, if you told James Harden, he's not allowed to Euro step anymore. If they started calling travels every time Harden, Harden drove on a break like that, it took away exactly. his number, his number one weapon. Uh, Tristan Thompson leads the league tied with Jared Allen with uh, 17 offensive rebounds, uh, not a game, 17 total offensive rebounds this year to what you were saying, Mike, he's still got it. Um, guys, let me tell you, uh, wow. Are you ready for some football? Can I ask you that? Uh, college, oh, football, yeah. <laughs> college football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. Uh, NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and one place to trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, it says here we're supposed to talk about the NFL game of the week. So I think uh, Patriots, Pat, Patriots, yeah. Patriots, yeah. yeah. Who, do you, who, do you, who do you have? You're up three, three point spread. I mean, did you see the Jets last week? You gotta go They're Jets here. Juggernaut, juggernaut, right? And the Pats need a higher draft pick. So um, I like, I like the Jets. Um, Pina, and the points in that one. The world's waiting your your pick for the Jets Pats game. Man, that's blasphemous. How are you going to pick the Jets against the Pats? I haven't watched a game of either this season, either has played this season, but I can't. I'm not picking against the Pats. Come on now. Pats the over, are tank, they want a tanking right now. They, they, they need to lose. Over under on Cam Newton passing yards is set at 15 and a half. Oh, my. Is that, is that because he won't play? <laughs> that, that was, that's a joke. But <laughs> It's probably not okay. much higher, though. No, uh, so don't, do not sit on the sidelines anymore, guys. Get in on the action. Uh, don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, all right. So you get, should we move to, to our next, uh, wrap it up with two random thoughts each of what we've seen so far in this, this early regular season? Let's do it. All right. I'll, I'll start. And, and this is kind of, I think, a good conversation to get us going. I was looking, uh, I was thinking about, duos in the NBA, right? Obviously the Celtics have a, have a pretty good one with, with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. I was trying to rank, where do you think that they, they rank among top NBA duos? I think, I think LeBron and AD are probably one. You know how much it, it pains me to say that. And, I, and I'm not talking about building. They, they, they are one. They, yeah. they are one. Yes. <laughs> the, the one and two, the top one and two player in the league are probably the best combo. Um, yeah. So, and I'm not talking about for the future, you know, when I'm not talking and I'm not talking about like an NBA jam where you're just playing two on two. I'm talking about if you're start, if you're trying to win this year with two guys as the foundation, where do, where do Jalen and Jason rank? And I think LeBron and AD are one, and I'm not going to rank these other ones, but just say what, whether they're ahead or, or behind the Celtics duo. I think despite uh, Paul George's struggles, Kawhi and PG, would you put them ahead of, Jalen and Jason? Uh, yes. You yes. Would. Okay. Uh, KD and Kyrie for now. We will, we ha- we'll see how they, how they hold up, but certainly with what we've seen so far, that duo is ahead. Correct. Uh, yes. Westbrook and Bradley Beal, probably not. No. No. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. I, I need to get one that was below. Okay, here's an interesting one. Uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. This is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. Um you know, I was just jotting down a couple that came to my mind as the best in the league. I, th- I, I would probably take Jokic and Murray, I think, over Tatum and Brown right now, just because 
I mean, Jokic is maybe <laughs> like going to win MVP this season. Um, Did you see that? The, Nugget, the Nuggets record, Mike, right now. Did you check that? One and three? Eh. Eh, that's eh. not Murray. That's not Murray eh. more than it is Jokic. I think. Murray, yeah, Murray didn't play last night. He's got a messed up elbow. He's been. I mean, Murray's been look look really bad this season, and that's because he's been hurt. But like Jokic is just. You look at like the assist combos where like one teammate assisting another teammate, and it's like the number one assist combo is Fultz and Nikola Vucevic, and then the next four are like Jokic and one of his teammates. Like he is, <laughs> he's just like on another, we always talk about how he's like the, the best passing like center of all. It's like, no, just say he's like the best passer in the NBA. How about that? Like, that's yeah. just what he is. He's the best passer in the NBA. 13 and a half assists a game. Shooting uh, 40% from three, 80% from the line. It's yeah. So, and I, I so I think on, on, on the power of Jokic, I think you got to, probably go with that with that combo how about jimmy and bam Ooh, i mean based on how last year jimmy and bam are ahead um again that might not be last beyond this year um but in terms of a head-to-head playoff spot i think you have to give jimmy and bam the edge okay then there are, there are two more and i i'm not going to put dame and cj i mean i respect those guys i'm not going to put them in the conversation i i, I would take tatum and, and, and jalen ahead of those two you agree mike i would too yeah. Okay. I would too. Yeah. I would. So the, the other two are uh, Simmons and Embiid. I think I take the Celtics combo again individually. You match up Simmons or Embiid with another star, maybe it's a different uh, conversation. But I don't love that combo together. Yeah. I mean, I think Tatum and Brown's track record in the postseason versus those guys. I'll take Tatum and Brown. Okay. And then uh, Giannis and, and Middleton. I think maybe the power of Giannis and, and Middleton. I mean, he he is he's a pretty complete player these days. I mean, he went from just being a great shooter against the Celtics to really an all-around dude who, when Giannis isn't in there, is a clear-cut number one. Um, I would probably put them ahead as well. Can I can I throw in uh, another one? Actually, can I throw in two? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Ingram is so good. He's he can he's get he can get it. He can get his shot, whatever shot he wants at any time on the court. It's amazing to watch. He's very similar to uh, to Tatum, except Ingram gets to the free throw line. And Ingram draws fouls like out on the perimeter like in ways that I don't understand why Tatum doesn't. It's almost like defensive, defenders, like, they respect Tatum's shot, but, like, they're not up in him, like – they are with Ingram or Trey Young or like, it's so weird. Like Tatum is taking like, I don't even know how many threes. He's like fourth and three pointers this season. And, and guys just are letting him shoot. I, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if it's a, if that's it's a really a, interesting one. I don't know if it's a length factor, but it seems to me that, that Ingram has that sort of Giannis ability to like take one step from, you know, in between the, the three point line or even from the three point line and just get to the rim that we don't see from, from Tatum yet. In terms of getting to the foul line, I think that could be a big advantage. But, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting one. I, I think I would take Jalen and Jason ahead of those two guys this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. And who's the last one? Just no, no, no love for Zion? I mean, Zion is not there yet. He's going to be there. But, like, that's – like, give it, like, maybe in a year or two. But I think Tatum and Brown – put some respect on what they've done in the postseason. And I mean, the, the Pelicans had a chance to go to the postseason 
in the bubble and they completely fell on their face. So like, yeah, like they, they give it to the C's for, for now. For Zion, I don't love 53% from the foul line, 0 for 2 from 3 this year. And again, like he's, he's getting his still. Like, uh, and, and, and I have his stat line, so uh, it's, it's available because he is fourth in the league in uh, offensive rebounds. So he's, you know, he's doing it in, in, in different ways. But yeah. he is a beast. And in a league full of absolute beasts, he is a beast among beasts. Uh, and and it's, it's, yes. it's, it's good to see. I'm glad that, he, that he's starting to put it together. Uh, and who's the who's the last uh, duo that you? So I, I know we're like dra- we're we're dragging on here with this this question, but it is a really fascinating one to me. I actually have two I want to throw at you guys. Rudy, two Rudy more. And, uh, Rudy and Donovan. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not Rudy and Donovan. No disrespect, but no, they they don't crack the the list of intrigue for me. Um, the next one I have is Luca and Kristaps Porzingis. Oof. I want to uh, see because Chris Stapps is coming back this week, right? Is it this week? They said they, they said the first I thought it was the first two weeks. He just practiced for the first time. So I think it was like the first two weeks of January. He should be back. He's imminently returning. Okay. I wanna I wanna see I wanna see him a little bit before I, I jump on that. I mean Luke, Yeah, Luca's gonna have the overall edge in that in that group, but I still don't like until we see Porzingis, I still like, you know, Jalen much more than Porzingis in a playoff setting. So give me, give me Tatum and Brown. Interesting. I think I'll agree, even though Luca is like far and away the best player. Yeah. Um, uh, my last one is uh, just because I wanted to say their nickname. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but Sexland. Yeah. Um, I was hoping you bring uh, up the Con Sexton and. and yeah, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, uh, <laughs> just like the two. They're, they're the two most uh, efficient on cleaning the glass, the two most efficient players in the entire NBA right now on a points per uh, uh, attempt uh, ratio, which is, I mean, I don't even know what world we're living in right now, but that is, that is a true statistic. So, <laughs> like, you know, I'm obviously kidding around, but I, and I wanted to just say Sexland, and I love that nickname so much, uh-huh. but... Um, they exist, so I just wanted to shut them out. Yeah, I, I watched that double overtime game against the uh, Pistons for for gambling reasons. Uh, I'm, embar- <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed. To I was say. like, "You're a sicko." <laughs> yeah, it, it was Fanduel. It wasn't. Just, I wasn't betting right, the okay. line. I, I had Drummond because uh, I wanted him in the homecoming against the Pistons. Uh, and yeah, man, Gar- Gar- Sexton's got a little Kemba in him. You know, he's a little like little a little bit more flair than Kemba, but he does a lot of the same things. And and Garland can set people up too. And I think you know, he had like 12 assists in that game. Uh, they're still the Cavs, right? We're not, no one's that worried about them, but that's a that's a fun backcourt for them. Uh, no one said Sabonis and uh, and Victor. I don't know if we want to. Yeah, well, it's not going to be together beyond this year, so yeah. Or or Brogdon. Brogdon. Yeah, I was about to say Bro- Brogdon's like the the second best player on the team. <laughs> so he might good. be. He's an he's like when you think that he only got what twenty million dollars a year in that deal last year, like that was what like the maybe the best deal of that off season. Um, to get him locked up. Like that. He, who, 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 who's better, uh, Malcolm Brogdon or Drew Holiday? For all our Bucks listeners out there. Right? Like, holy crap. Um, what was I... Oh, for the... Uh, you, know, you know who the Celtics could use right now? No. Not to open an old wound? Um, <laughs> Colin, Colin Sexton would be pretty nice in this roster. 
Oh, that's the Kyrie. That's the Kyrie uh, draft pick. pick. Mm. But that's yeah. Well, we'll we'll I'll just let that uh, there. <laughs> All um, right, Rob, give us an observation. We can we can move on. All right. Well, this actually worked out well. For um, here's an observation: the Celtics' string of like brutal uh, draft luck continues here. With and that's in terms of picks they they could have owned like a year or two late. Like the Kings had this great season. You know, two years ago, C's got stuck with the 14th pick, missed out on some appealing names in front of them, and then fell back down to earth last year. Um, this time around, who's falling back down to earth this year, it looks like? Memphis. Memphis. Jackson, Kurt, John Moran, unfortunately, bum ankle out for at least a month. Um, they're one and two, and they're probably going to be going downhill in a hurry there. That's, and that's, it's, that's maybe that's the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. Like without John Moran and Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's, I mean, a lot of things have not gone right for the Celtics, but I don't, I think if you like ran draft, if you ran these projections like a hundred times for these teams, you know, and the Celtics picks possibilities in the last few years, like they got like the 99th or 98th or 99th, like worst percentile in terms of like the scenarios based on like the directions these teams could have gone in and the timing of when these picks ended up arriving. That's all. I so that that's that that that's. Uh, I think it's going to stink for a little bit. Yeah, for everyone that wants to kill kill Danny in the front office, like there's so much luck involved in all this. You know, 100%. All, all you can do is put yourself in a position to have the the chips fall in your in your favor, and it just hasn't been the case. Yeah, uh, you know, B-Rob, I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to just crap all over Romeo and Nismith there, but. <laughs> I mean, it's too early to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a situation where, yeah, like that we'll see what Neesmith has and, and Langford has, but like, even then, like, you know, not picking 12th, the Southerners could have gotten like Halliburton or something like that. Like literally, like we know they tried to move up and they couldn't because they're just kind of at a spot in both those drafts where there was like a, a bit of a cutoff, I feel like. Yeah, I'm right now Cole Anthony, who was selected one pick after Neesmith, is the PER leader in the rookie class right now. And What's his deal? Running like, like what have you seen? Are you watching he, Magic games? He just looks like yeah. I've actually watched all of them. I don't really want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> That's gonna be good for my next he, observation. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my first columns for SI is gonna be about the Magic, so I've been watching all their games. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, I mean. Cole Anthony, he just he looks like he's been in the league like five years, and this is just like who he is. Which maybe that's not a great thing. Like they give it to him when he he comes off the bench and he runs like I don't even know. He's he's running like twenty pick and rolls a game. It seems like they they just like give him the ball and let him go. Um, and he's really not shy with his shot selection, and he has a green light basically to pull up from wherever he wants, whenever he wants. But like he he looks like a professional and he's like a really big strong guard. Defensively looks fine, um, and I don't know. He's like getting minutes and playing for a team that I believe is undefeated. The Magic undefeated, yeah, I think so. They are. I mean, Four and zero. Um, they have the easiest schedule in the league, so whatever. But uh, but yeah, it's it's you know it's it's very early, and I don't know what Cole Anthony would look like on a team where he's not getting that many touches. But yeah, he's playing, and Nismith is not. When you talk about him looking like a pro, has anyone done a deep dive, like, you know, from a journalistic perspective of these guys who were raised by pros? Like, 
you talk about Sabonis and, and Hardaway Jr. and Anthony. I mean, it's such a game changer, right? Mike, that's your – Donovan Mitchell year. is another one. Really? His dad played in the NBA? No, his dad played professional baseball, didn't he? Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying, anyway. B-Rob? I'd say that's your, that's, your, that's your next article pitch for SI for February. <laughs> Mike doesn't have to pitch shit anymore. Man. That's true. He's a, he's a, he's a staff writer. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the beauty of that. Um, he's telling him he's doing it then. Yeah, exactly. What, uh, what do you got, Mike, for an observation? Um, yeah, I guess like we've talked about Jalen a little bit. I want to talk about him a little bit more. Um, he just looks like he's made a leap. And a lot of it is, I think, some, you know, some mid-range shooting that uh, some pull-up mid-range shooting that'll probably come back to earth a little bit, but like he just looks like the definite all-star that a lot of people were expecting him to be eventually, and so that player has arrived, and it hasn't really, you know, affected his defense that much. He's still super versatile. He's guarding Sabonis for stretches last night. Um, he's attacking the basket and like finishing and drawing fouls and he's been super efficient. He hasn't even really been hitting his threes yet, but those will come. And, you know, you're talking about the dynamic duos, like the Celtics are the only team in the NBA with two guys who are in the top 10 in scoring right now in Jalen and Tatum. And Jalen's been the efficient one. And, you know, one of the big uh, concerns about his game has been playmaking, but like he's seeing the floor like he'll come down off a wide pin down and he'll get to like the free throw line. And instead of pulling up every single time, which he still does probably like 75% of the time, he'll quickly survey the floor and find a three point shooter. And he's made some ridiculous passes um, that you just haven't seen from him. I mean, he's tossing soft lobs. He's yeah, Tristan he last night. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Jalen's evolution is like critical. For, I mean, when you're a team that's like capped out, um, you know, you're bumping up against the luxury tax. The guys who you're paying the max or the near max really need to continue to evolve. And Jalen is evolving. That is absolutely critical to the Boston Celtics winning a championship at any time soon. Yeah. So you, you and you talk about you know wh- how great he's looked, and like you, but like you pointed out, he's also shooting 64% from the foul line and shooting 26% from three. Um, so he does have, he's going to get better. Like those, you'd like to think that both those, those numbers are going to percentages are going to tick up at least a little bit. Um, but yeah, you let, you let only, only five turnovers. Jason Tatum's turned the ball over 14 times in four games. J- Jalen Brown's turned the ball over five times. Uh, he's protecting the ball. He's finding, he's finding guys. He has as many assists as Tatum. Uh, it's, it's great to see. I don't think any of us are surprised by it at this point, but like you said, it's something that needs to happen and it's great to see it happen. Yeah. I think the numbers you referenced are a great point, Rich, from this, from the standpoint that like, yeah, he, you wouldn't even notice that he's had a bad start three point shooting because he's doing everything else that well. And so, and he's not relying on the three point shot, um, as much cause he doesn't need to, cause he's getting to the paint. And like Mike said, making these, these great passes with his vision. So to me, I think, this is another reason, like, I think the best version of Jalen defensively, too, is him guarding up as opposed to him guarding, you know, faster guys. Um, so I think for me, that's another reason to, like, go smaller in the starting five. 
to just unlock that, like the best version of Jalen there. And then you also get the benefit of like bigger guys trying to guard him and him, you know, toasting them off the dribble. Yeah. yeah. Um, career high free throw rate, uh, career high assist rate. Uh, his PER previously had never been above 17. Right now it's 24.3. I mean, he just, there's been, it's super early, but like he looks like someone who like might be an all star starter, honestly. That's what his, his, his profile looks like right now. Uh, so I don't know if he can sustain a lot of it, especially the shot making, but I'm more like in tune with, I mean, I agree with everything you said, the defensive versatility guarding up as opposed to guarding down is really good. Um, uh, in some of the lineups the Celtics are playing right now, that's, that's a necessity, especially if they start, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Um, but, but yeah, like the playmaking is what I continuously come back to because for him to actually be like that upper echelon type of NBA player. That's what needs to happen. You have to make your teammates better. And he is so far. Yeah. And I'll say one thing about him. I don't know if this is a matter of him, of him guarding up is that he is committing a lot of fouls this year, 14 personal fouls, which is among the league leaders. It can be, it, it can become an issue with him. Sorry. I'm very, I'm, I'm stuffed up. Uh, I, I hear my nasally every time I speak, but uh, he, <laughs> it sound great. No, that's not true. You don't, you don't have to say that. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I don't know if, if, if that's going to potentially get him in some foul trouble and, and get him off the court or if, if there are things that he can do to adjust or maybe it's just four games, right? Who knows? But you see him committing all those personal fouls and you wonder what might be able to change to help him stay out of foul trouble. But that's just nitpicking. Um, okay, so my, my next observation, we can, we can make these last ones quick. Uh, Markel Fultz, and, uh, and, and Pina, I know you've been watching a lot, and I'm glad that you have been, because I'm fascinated by, by what we're seeing from him. He, he went under 20, point, under 20 points a game with uh, Tuesday night's performance, but averaging about six, I think he's at like 18 points, six assists, basically. Uh, 93% from the foul line, I think, which could be uh, a, a glimpse at what might be happening with his shot in general, maybe what could happen with his three point shot. But are you buying what you're seeing from Markel Fultz having watched all his games this year? He's so weird to gauge because it's so hard to separate him from being the number one overall pick. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So separate, just like looking at him as a guy who deserves the contract that he just signed. Um, and should be a starting point guard, I, I am buying. Um, you know, I, I said already, like, Orlando's played the easiest schedule so far. Uh, I think they played the Wizards twice. Um, they played the Heat on opening night. It was a weird game. Um, but he's getting wherever he wants on the floor. Like, when they run high pick and roll with him and Vucevic or him and Gordon or him and Kim Birch or whoever – he like he's able to slither his way to the rim and he's finishing and he's drawing fouls. And like you said, Rich, he's making his free throws, which that was, it was like a charade every time he went to the free throw line when he was with the Sixers, like he was doing weird stuff. So for him to mentally get there is huge for him, for his future, for the Orlando magic. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm buying. Um, He also like, as opposed to someone like Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz is 
willing to take pull-up threes. Like when defenders go under the screen, which they do, that's like that's the scouting report. Uh, he will pull up, and he's not really making a ton of them right now. He made a couple last night uh, against the Thunder, uh, which was you know they they were able to pull that one out. Uh, okay. I I don't know. Like I I like I like. Uh, I like his game right now. I like the way he's playing, the confidence he's playing with. His athleticism is through the roof. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying Markel Fultz. Yeah, and I like that. Like you know, you started to feel bad for him a little bit. Like you said, just like even going going to the foul line, uh, it was just such a disaster. I like that the joke is no longer going to be on Markel Fultz, but it's on the 76ers, which we can all agree. The world is better when the joke's on Philly. I mean, I think. I mean, this isn't really much of faults, but with the Magic as a whole, um, 4-0 start, very bad news for the Celtics um, from a Magic perspective because there's a lot of useful guys on that Magic team that fit very nicely into the trade exception. Um, and none of them look like they're going to be available if the Magic play their way into being a, a legitimate East playoff team. It- can, I, can I quickly settle your nerves, B-Rob, with two stats? Number Please. one... Again, they've played the easiest schedule in the NBA. Maybe that'll like, um, you know, the fact that they have the easiest schedule for the first half of the season will prove to be their their benefit. And to your point, like maybe it never turns around for them. Um, The other thing is 47% of their shots have been either threes or at the rim, which is like basically like, like since the three point revolution has started, that's like a ridiculously low number. Like I don't, the Spurs are like above, no one's below 50%. They're below 48 right now. So they're hitting shots that are just not, they're not going to fall for, for very long. Um, so I think like they're the fact that they have the fourth best offense in the NBA, that's going to come back to earth. No doubt about it. Um, Terrence Rost is just like a walking heat check. I don't even know what's going on there. So uh, I think that they will have some growing pains. I mean, they not having Bamba, not having Isaac, like they they're playing some guys who are borderline NBA players in their rotation. Uh, The spacing is really messed up. You know, they could fall back down to earth, I would say. Well, I'll I'll believe it as our resident magic expert here. Um, (laughs) Um. this is, I'm going to wrap up on this, to, but I want everyone to keep it to 30 seconds since we should wrap this up. Um, the Celtics, we haven't talked since the Celtics were officially put on James Harden's list. And <laughs> whereas the Celtics were reportedly checking in on that, which could have happened probably two or three months ago at this point. Um, but based on how things are at with, You're up. you've always already talked about Jalen and, um, and Harden, like what, where is everyone's head at with this right now in 30 seconds or less? Can, can it happen without giving up Marcus and Jalen? I think it could technically if Jalen keeps looking this good. Oh, I thought like for money, maybe that, that you needed to, to have. Oh, Marcus no, you could, you could probably make it. I mean, it, it gets a lot harder with Marcus not involved, but I think you could, you could probably find a way to piece it together. Yeah. Either way, I'm a no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michael um I, I th- man this is so tough because like the way I'm view- starting to view stuff like this is like 
if you do trade for Harden, like w- this is the trade-off, right? It's um, the odds to win the, ch- let's say the odds to win the championship with Harden for Jalen, let's just say, are, uh, they go up from 5% to 15% over the next two years. And with Jalen over the next four or five years or whatever, the odds to win the championship never rise to 15%. That's kind of like how um, I'm viewing it right now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like throwing stupid numbers out there, but, like, no, but I think that's you get, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so it's like, do you want this short-term spike and then, you know, the wheels could really fall off afterwards or are you really confident in Jalen continuing to evolve and get you over the top and use the trade exception and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I would not want to make this trade cause I, I love Jalen and I love just, you know, who he is, what he stands for, how valuable that type of player is in the NBA. Um, and there's a part of me that just doesn't trust that Harden and Tatum would really jibe. Um, even though if they did jibe, you'd have like the most unstoppable postseason offense in the NBA. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I, mean, I, I, would t- I, would, I would talk myself into it in about two seconds, by the way, if it actually happened. But Yeah, I think that's how I feel too. <laughs> Um, my answer is no, unless Harden is picking up that extra year on his deal. So you get him locked in for, for a third year. Um, and you're also getting back more stuff from Houston. Um, IE PJ Tucker, um, beyond that, uh, Jalen's looking too good to, to sacrifice that long haul. But I think it's, it's, this is, I don't think this is going away. I think Harden's not going to get moved anytime soon. I think everyone's going to kind of see what they have around the league. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Um, hey, Rob, you see what Harden's number is for that, for that third season, for that last year? Yeah, was it like 47 million? 47, 47.3. <laughs> yeah. That's just, I mean, that's just where it's going. That's yeah. where it's going. Like, it's, that's, that could be okay value. We'll see. Um, all right. Did we have everyone's – anyone have the last one? Mike might have one more, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I have a I, 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 real quick, um, like a league-wide observation. Uh, if you aren't watching the San Antonio Spurs on League Pass, watch the San Antonio Spurs because this is exactly how I've always wanted them to play, or at least since you know they moved on from Kawhi. They low-key have like one of the most intriguing young cores in the NBA. LaMarcus Aldridge is just like not one of the first or second options on offense anymore. They play completely different than you probably remember. If you are thinking about what from watching them in years past, they're so much fun. I love them. I want to say, I don't want to say that they're going to make the playoffs, but I want to say that they're going to play in a play in game. That's how, that's how much I love them. Kelvin Johnson is legit. He's ridiculous. <laughs> I never. He's truly I, ridiculous. I see. He's a first, He was a first round pick. I, I I don't remember ever hearing of him before this season. But man, he he impresses me every time I watch him. I know nothing. Yep. When do they, they, when do this when do the Celtics play them? Did they play them in the first half? Look at I don't know. Um, but I mean, take off your Celtics exceptionalism hat for a second, B. Rob. I mean, Jesus, like, just watch the Spurs play. <laughs> well, no, they're, like, play. I'm, uh, they're not going to be on a bunch of national games. It's going to be it's it's 
it's it's tough to league wait. pass, baby. What you don't have league pass? Come on, B Rob, you're adding yourself right now. The Celtics have five games and seven nights here, Mike. You want me to take my one <laughs> off night and watch the the Spurs play the Pistons? Like, like I mean, but I I might know because you you're offering a pretty tempting case here. And when and when Coach Pop has the Spurs playing awesome basketball, there's nothing better to watch. So like. Listen, I, I might do it. Shooting threes. Come on, it's 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 a joy. Right. It's a joy. Um, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I'm watching the Spurs. Then let's that's let's like like seven. <laughs> now nah, I got a convert. I like it. Did Lonnie Walker cut his hair? He did, right? He did. Yes. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I didn't like the hair, but I, I don't like that he that he lost his his identity like that. But he's playing pretty well too. It's good to see. Yeah, he did it for a reason. You should Google why he did it. Um, if you haven't seen already, but, um, Lonnie Walker, like one of the most athletic players in the whole NBA, Keldon Johnson, just a truck, uh, out of nowhere. Derek White hasn't even played yet. He just signed an extension. Um, Vassal's good. DeJounte Murray, who's like my favorite player. Uh, and yeah, Vassal. And it's so weird. Like if they had Halliburton, oh my God, I would, I would have a Halliburton Spurs Jersey, like shipped to me tomorrow. Um, but Vassal, Vassal's really good. And, yeah, I just love – I love the Spurs, man. Yeah. Seven, seven players averaging in double figures. That, that, that is fun basketball to begin the year for them. Um, Lonnie Walker revealed that he had grown his hair out since the fifth grade as a cloaking device to cope with sexual abuse he endured as a kid. Wow. Well, good for Lonnie. I'm even even bigger fan now. I'm glad that he's, uh, that he's, that he's stepping out, you know, that he's speaking about it and – you know, feeling feeling a little bit better with himself and all that. That's uh, it's great. He's again, he's 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 got game, and uh, and and I think this is a, another big step for him. You know, growing up and 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 becoming a man. This is really mm-hmm. a good story. Thanks for for letting me know and not letting me ramble about that uh, without understanding what was actually going on. I got you. <laughs> yeah, he did. His numbers are ridiculous this year too. He's shooting forty eight percent from three on six attempts per game, uh, which is. Has to be put him Watch the Spurs, people. Right? Watch right. the Spurs. And Derek, White, Mike. Derek White hasn't even played yet. And Derek White hasn't even played yet. Only getting better. All right. This is all right. Well, let's let's wrap things up there. Some some good Spurs talk. Um, but also a lot of good potential trade targets on this team for the Celtics if they do fall um out of the mix. But in the meantime, watch them. Check out Mike at SI.com. when's the first article dropping, Mike? Is it right after New Year's or do we have to wait a little bit? First article should be up on Monday, the Monday after New Year's. All right. On the Orlando Magic? No, oh, not on the okay. Orlando. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> debut with the Orlando Magic, no, <laughs> sadly. Cool. Um, it's, we look forward it, to it. It, it, it it's a, yeah, it's about Steph Curry and – Ooh, uh, yeah. I like I don't want to prolong the pod, but like it, you know, would you trade Jalen for Steph Curry? Kind of t- that type. Of Ooh, thing. nice. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a debut. That's a debut topic right there, Steph Curry. Hell Superstars. yeah, superstars. And you, I mean, you and Steph Curry loves you, Mike. If I remember history correctly, right? He's like, <laughs> so he's probably gonna he's probably gonna tweet this out when it comes out. I imagine so that that'll be good. Um, We're best friends. Good um all right uh hit us up at wedding plays pod um on twitter uh hit rich up at rich underscore levine at michael v pina uh check him out as he debuts at si.com starting on january 1st uh pr article coming out on monday on curry big big winning play scoop there 
And um, <laughs> you can get me at Brian T. Rob. And yeah, what? Happy New Year, folks. We won't oh, talk yeah. to you in 2021. Hopefully, better times ahead here. Good riddance, 2020. Exactly. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you next week.